0: Good morning, Chapel Hill. I want you to take a trip back in your memory this morning. I want you to go back to probably and maybe hopefully as far back as elementary school, grade school. And I want you to think about that awesome part of the day that we called show and tell. Remember that? How many of you can actually remember show and tell? Okay. Can you remember something that you brought for show and tell? That, that's where it stopped for me. I can remember show and tell. I can remember being impressed by things that the other kids brought in for show and tell. I can't remember anything that I ever brought in. I think part of the reason was because what I brought in was something that was significant to me and meant absolutely nothing to anyone else. And I thought it was just worthy of sharing. And so this morning, I'm doing show and tell. I'm going to share with you some stuff that I brought that is significant to me and might have no meaning whatsoever for any of the rest of you. And I'm going to move Kyle's mic. Don't tell him that I did it. Let's see if it freaks him out. This has to do with a passion that I have, and it's a passion for fishing. I grew up fishing. I grew up in British Columbia in Canada. And I had uh, the opportunity, the privilege, to fish in all kinds of different settings. Now, I am not an avid fisherman to the point where you know I, I pay for these, these $1,000 fishing trips where we fly up into northern Canada where only planes can go and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, did, I, I fish wherever I can, and I get a lot of pleasure out of it. I get a lot of enjoyment out of fishing. And growing up, one of the types of fishing that I got to do, which I thoroughly enjoyed, was trout fishing. I love catching rainbow trout. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's my favorite type of fishing. Um, and so there were, me- I have many, many memories uh, from when I was a little kid of, of fishing for trout. I remember fishing in lakes. I remember one lake in particular that was north of Vancouver where I grew up, and it was called Alice Lake. And Alice Lake was this great spot, and there were, it was, absolutely packed with black bears. We had black bears wander into our campsite at night and all kinds of stuff. We'd see them everywhere. Alice Lake was full of trout and I remember as kids um, we would catch trout like crazy and and just thoroughly enjoyed it and there was a, a spot along the west side of the lake where, and I can still picture it, where there was some Trees that had fallen into the lake off the side of the mountain, and um, we could walk out on those logs and and cast from there, just keeping our balance on the logs. And there were a lot of lakes like that where where I fished growing up. Then uh, into high school, my buddy and I would take uh, every weekend in the summer, every weekend, and we'd sit down with a map of British Columbia, and um, we would we would find a creek or a lake that we hadn't fished. And then our goal that weekend was get to it and fish it. And sometimes it was just driving to a trout stream. Other times it was hiking up to a lake up in the mountains. We'd find these trout lakes. And um, and it was always, there was a challenge always of, how do we get out into the water where we can get to the fish? Because in a lot of these mountain lakes, there's, there isn't a nice beach where you just go on the beach and cast into the water. There was none of that. And so um, we were crazy enough that here we were backpacking straight up into the Rockies. And the one thing that had to come with us, and we would take turns carrying it, was an inflatable rubber raft. And they weighed a ton, so we'd have this thing on our back, but we would haul it up into the mountains, and we'd do everything that we could to get out into the water where we could get these fish. And uh, it's, just a, it's just a part of, of who I am. I love trout fishing. I love the trout streams that I grew up with, where we would be disappointed if we didn't catch a 100 fish in a day. And it was just these great places where we'd go. And so I met my wife years later, and, um, and, and she caught that, yeah, that was pretty important to me. I really enjoy trout fishing. And so she would go with me, and, and she got to see pretty soon like what some of my longings were. And, and a lot of it had to do with, how can I better get to where the fish are? How can I do that better? And so one year for my birthday, um, early on in our marriage, very early on in our marriage, she got me this gift that I was so excited about. And so I I brought it today. And this is it. This is called a float tube. This is designed to get you to the fish, okay? And so instead of trying to fish from the shore, and instead of having to have a boat with you, you can have a float tube that will take you out into the water where you can get to where the trout are jumping, and, and you can catch them. And so the way this thing works is you step into it, and then you grab this thing and where well, there it is and you get the the handles and you pull it up around you like this and you wander out into the water and then you put yourself down in the water and of course the tube floats this has an inner tube in it and then it has this big harness underneath here and that's where you sit you sit in this tube and you float around on the lake and you fish from this sitting position in the lake and it's this awesome way to get to the fish And it's very peaceful, you're just out there, you're just kind of one with nature, and there you are, just floating barely above the water in this float tube, and it's got little compartments to keep your tackle in, it's got this little thing that hooks up on the front so that when you catch a fish, you can lay it on here and and get the hook out and all that kind of stuff. It is this great tool, phenomenal tool. And so I was very, very pleased when she gave me this float tube, I was super excited about it. So then um, it went on to other things. I started talking a little bit about, um, boy, I I love going out in this thing and spin casting because that's all I had done was ultralight equipment and little spinners and I would catch tons of fish. And she was like, well, what about fly fishing? Have you done that? I said, no, I really didn't do that much of it because trout streams up in the Rockies are too crowded. You don't have room to fly fish. But she's like, do you want to learn? I'm like, yeah, of course I want to learn. And so then it was... Not only did she get me a fly rod, but she got me lessons. And so I remember us going out onto a, a school field and taking these classes together, and I learned how to fly fish, and, and I got comfortable with a fly rod. And that's, this is just such a fun way to fish. It's so peaceful. How many of you fly fish? Okay, got a handful. That's good. It is very peaceful. It is just a, a great experience when you learn to really master getting that, getting that line out there, which you, you throw out and bring back. You don't just toss it in like spin casting. You throw out and bring it back until you've gone far enough to set that thing down, and you have this tiny little thing that looks like a fly, and you drop it on the water, and the fish go crazy over it. Um, and it's just it's this great thing, but I remember learning how to do that and, and then um, just wanting that experience. Okay, i got to find a place where I can fly fish because this is great. And so learned how to do it, got pretty decent at it, and, um, and then, then my wife caught on, and, and she's very creative this way. She does so well with me. Um, then she was like, what about making your own flies? She had heard of fly tying. And so then one year for my birthday, she bought me fly tying equipment, and she got me fly tying lessons. And so then I started to learn how to tie flies so that I could make my own lures and make them look exactly like what I wanted them to look like for those fish to just find them irresistible. And so I started to learn how to use this equipment, and and there are all these little bizarre tools that we use to to make the different flies, and there's all kinds of different material that you use. Um, you use colorful yarn, and you use that for, for decorative purposes. There were feathers. We got into collecting feathers from all over the place um, to make different kinds of flies, different kinds of lures. Fur, you use fur, and so I'd have these random little chunks of of different animals um, laying around our house, and uh, and then, and <clears throat> that got interesting, because we were in college then. Short, right right after we got married, we went to Bethany College of Missions in Bloomington, and um, that's when I got into this. That's when she got me these lessons on how to tie flies, and and I started getting the equipment that I needed and everything, and. I was talking to my friend about it because he was really interested, and and um, I was telling him all the stuff that we can use and showing him the different different kinds of things that we use, talking about fur in particular. So that got him interested, and so lo and behold, just a couple of days later, uh, we're in the married student housing in the dorm at school, and uh, we had a, a common kitchen, and I go down to the kitchen and um, I was opening up the freezer to get something out of the freezer. So my friend had stopped for roadkill, and and I get to the fridge in in this Bible College dorm and open it up, and there's a dead squirrel in there, and, and it became more than a dead squirrel. There were all kinds of different animals that showed up in our fridge, and that was his contribution. He was a true friend, and he got me... Things that I needed to tie flies with. And, oh, these things, by the way, up here, this is when you're in the float tube, you strap these to your feet, and you move around the lake using these fins, right? So there was, it was just really fun. And so all of this really spoke to something that was important to me, spoke to my flourishing. It gave me what I needed to flourish, I had a float tube to go out in. I knew how to fly fish, and I had the equipment. I tied my own flies so that I was a true fly fisherman. All of these things made it possible for me to flourish as an angler. And I was super happy with all of the stuff that I got. She was so generous and so thoughtful, and I was well equipped. Now, let me tell you the flip side of the story. How many times since she got me my float tube have I used it? Yeah, not, not at all. I pulled it out of storage 27 years later, hoping that the inner tube in here would actually hold air. And then I had to figure out how to put it together because I never had. When given the opportunity to fly fish, I typically say no. I can't tell you I've never done it. I have, but... I typically say no. I typically choose my ultralight stuff instead because it's quicker and I don't have time to get set up. I'm impatient. I want to hook in the water now. And I hardly ever fly fish. Fly tying The other day, when I was like, oh, I should get that stuff out so I can use it and make a fool of myself in a sermon illustration, um, I went into the closet going, I know exactly where it is, and I pulled the box off the shelf, and I opened it up, it's not it at all. I had no idea where it was, (laughs) because it's been that long since I used this stuff. In spite of the fact that I had everything that I needed to flourish as a fly fisherman, I am thoroughly embarrassed to say that I've hardly ever used what I've been given. All right. Now watch me tie this together. Okay, let's go back to last week, review of last week, okay? We looked at 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter talked about some things that we supplement to our faith to bring about flourishing in our lives, right? It was add this to this and this to this and on it went. 2 Peter 1:3 says this: His God's divine power <clears throat> has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God generously provides everything we need to flourish. And when Peter says godly living, living a godly life, how can that not be flourishing? I think he's talking about flourishing. He even invites us, God even invites, invites us to ask for what we need to flourish. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. then in John 16, verse 24, it's Jesus again, and he says to his disciples, Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full That you will flourish, just ask, and I will give you flourishing. Listen, God created us to be receivers. Now, he definitely created us to be givers. In fact, he said that it is better to give than receive, right? But he made us to receive because having us as his children, God, by nature, is a giving father, In fact, we're told that he loves to give good gifts to his children. He gives and we receive. In that context, how well do you think we're doing at receiving what he gives us? How well have we embraced our role as receivers? How well are we fighting back against a culture that tells us that we are totally self-sufficient and we don't need anybody for anything? And well beyond the culture, how are we doing it fighting back against our human nature? So maybe we need this message more than we think. This message is called The Art of Receiving. And here's what I'm thinking about our ability to receive well what God has provided for us. I think that we, as followers of Jesus, can be a lot like me as a trout fisherman when it comes to flourishing. I know that I could flourish if I used the gifts that Kim gave me to flourish as a trout fisherman. I also know that I could flourish if I actually use the gifts that God has given me. And I'm not talking this time about the the spiritual gifts that God makes available to us. I truly believe that we've been invited to ask for those gifts from God when God puts us in situations where we might need them. But that's a talk for another day. Today I'm talking about the things that we have already received when we were adopted into God's family. There are so many things that are already ours. If I were to go back to my favorite book of the Bible, which is Ephesians, as often as I should, I would see something almost right away. And this is what I would see in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, what, is he, what do you think? Does that sound like we've been equipped to flourish? Can we be any better equipped than having every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? I highly doubt it. Paul then goes on in his letter to mention several of the things that I want to highlight with you right now. Paul clearly believed that we have been given all that we need to flourish. And his belief certainly had some street cred to it. He was able to back it up. Paul didn't just say it, he lived it. Paul flourished in circumstances worse than anything that you and I will ever experience. How? Well, he had received all that he needed To flourish. And you and I, Chapel Hill, have received the same provision that Paul received. So let's open up the closet, go down to the basement, take a trip to the storage unit. And see exactly what we have that we might have forgotten about. And let me be real about this. Um, I haven't used all that fishing gear nearly as often as I should have because life gets in the way. So I don't get to experiencing, experience the flourishing that comes with those things without some effort, some sacrifice, some prioritizing. Obviously the same is true when it comes to the things that God has provided for our flourishing. Life gets in the way. And I recognize that. I know that. I have experienced that. So flourishing sometimes gets reduced to a very inferior version of the life that God intends for us. This too takes some effort, some prioritizing, some sacrifice. But it is so worth it. So let's look at what we've received. What has God given us for our flourishing? And this won't be news to anyone. I'm not going to tell you about something you weren't aware of this morning, but it just might open our eyes to how many things we have that we've taken for granted, that we've forgotten about, that we've just failed to pursue, and maybe replaced it with things that really can't help us flourish. Let's start with salvation. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 reminds us that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. I remember when I was saved. Some of us remember specific details of that moment. Actually, it's funny, I just remembered it right now, that the lake I told you about earlier, Alice Lake, that's where I was. I was in my parents' pop-up camper, um, which was actually ironically made at Bethany College of Missions. It was a Bethany camper. Uh, It was kind of a rust color on the bottom with an off-white fiberglass top. And I was in that camper, and it was raining, and I remember the sound of the rain on the roof of that camper. That's where it was for me. Some of us remember the exact time, date, and location. Some of us can tell a pretty compelling story of how we were saved. And then, sadly, most of us seem to sort of forget about it, as if our salvation was little more than a good but forgettable memory from our distant past. But we're not talking about a particularly good dinner at a great restaurant, we're talking about salvation. We were saved from the power of sin that controlled us. We were saved from guilt, shame, fear, despair. We were saved from eternal separation from our creator. When we're tempted, when we feel shame, when we're afraid, when we're so sad that we sink into despair, we certainly do not feel like we're flourishing. But God has given us salvation. Salvation from the power that those things have over us. Salvation into a flourishing life. Even when we're tempted, ashamed, afraid, or in despair. There's flourishing in our salvation. With our salvation, we received eternal life. Jesus said in John 3.16 that we will not perish. This is one of the hardest things for us to truly receive because eternity is so far outside our ability to grasp or understand. It hardly makes sense, yet this is one of the most significant things we have as followers of Jesus. Eternal life, something that's guaranteed to steal flourishing away from us, is the fear of death. When we lose sight of the fact That we've been given life that never ends. We lose touch with something that can cause us to flourish in big ways. Death has lost its ability to scare us. In that courage that comes with overcoming death, we flourish. Romans 5.11 reminds us that we have been reconciled to God through Jesus, and that is cause for rejoicing. That brings flourishing. We're not alone and never will be alone. We're not separated from God like we once were. We've been welcomed back into his presence, his family, his kingdom. We belong. We have a family. We have a community. We have a tribe. And that means that with our heads held high, we live like people that God decided are worthy to have in his presence. We don't fear his judgment he declares that we're holy and we're told that we can approach his throne with confidence. There's flourishing and living in that reality. And along those lines, we flourish because we have been adopted by God. Romans 8.15 declares that we have been adopted by our eternal father and we now get to call him father father. We have a perfect dad who loves us, provides for us, protects us, and is completely pleased with us. Relationships with our earthly fathers are honestly hit and miss. Not every dad does well at being what their child needs. And that experience steals the flourishing from far too many people. But that's not the case with God. We have a perfect father, and that means that we can look beyond the things of our earthly fathers, find everything we need in our eternal father, and flourish there. Forever, we are children of a loving, perfect father. Faith is something that we've received as followers of Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 8, back to the book that I should read more, reminds us that faith is a gift. It's not something that we acquired through our impressive efforts. Faith is a spiritual gift. Learn to be good recipients of that gift. The alternatives to faith include doubt, uncertainty, and insecurity. That is not flourishing, is it? When we feel those things, and that lack of flourishing, we have been invited by Jesus to ask, to ask for faith. In the midst of all the lies being thrown at us constantly by the world, we can still flourish if we seek, ask for, and receive faith. Another thing that we've been encouraged to ask for is wisdom. And we've already received access to that wisdom. James 1.5 says that if we lack wisdom, we can just ask for it. And not only will we receive it, but God will give it to us generously. How encouraging is that? God promises to give us something that we desperately need to flourish and to give it to us generously. I have yet to meet one person who can navigate the chaos that is this world, relying on their own wisdom. This world is crazy. The enemy is set on creating absolute chaos, and he seems to be quite successful at doing that. I don't understand how this world thinks most of the time. I don't get it. I don't understand how we can be heading in the direction that we're heading as a culture. But rather than run away and hide from this ridiculous world, I want, I want to understand what's happening. I want to understand why it's happening and what my role is in all of this. As God provides the wisdom that we're looking for, we flourish, even in the midst of the chaos. Now, a plant has things that it needs to flourish. And so do we. Plants need water, they need light, they need nutrients. We need living water. We need the light of truth and the bread of life to flourish. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 reminds us that we have the word of God and it is at work in us. It's something we already have. Every one of us has unrestricted access to God's word and every one of us would do well to remember that Peter himself stated that Jesus' words were life. There was nowhere else to turn. It was just found in Jesus. So don't settle merely for what someone else says about the word of God. Draw from it yourself. Read it, listen to it. You've heard me talk about the book of Ephesians a few times already this morning. Go read it. Set your roots down into something that will bring you flourishing. God's word is alive. Dust it off and drink deeply. And there you'll find one of several sources of power that we have access to. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus promised that we would receive power. That power came through the arrival of the Holy Spirit into the lives of the followers of Jesus. That power, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is ours. Flourishing takes power, it takes power to overcome the things that this world throws at us constantly. It takes power to fight life's battle in the spiritual realm, not just the physical realm. It takes power to grow. It takes power to heal. It takes power to multiply. That power is only available to us through the presence of God's spirit in our lives. Ask for an ongoing daily filling of God's spirit in your life. We need that power to flourish. We find the strength that we need through the power of God's Spirit. You know as well as I do what the absence of flourishing feels like when we're weak. Philippians 4.13 reminds us that the strength we need is found in Christ. Paul was so bold and confident that he even says that I can do anything through Christ and the strength that he brings me. Acknowledge the weakness in your life. Do it right now if you can. Acknowledge the weakness in your life. I'll bet that most of us in this room are feeling weak in at least one way in our lives right now. Weakness and flourishing seem like polar opposites, don't they? Yet Jesus says that it's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. His strength brings flourishing. His strength is available, and church, it's ours. Invite it into your life and lay hold of it. That strength is yours. It's there for each one of us. Romans 11.31 reminds us of another gift that we've received. It's the gift of mercy. How many times, even in, just in this past week, Have you experienced a sense of dread over getting what you deserve? We know that we deserve consequences. We know that we deserve a punishment, a penalty for what we've done and often still do. And so we live, at least to some degree, dreading that moment when we get what we truly deserve. Flourishing comes through humbly and gratefully accepting God's mercy. Because of Jesus, you and I will not receive what we deserve. What we deserve to get was laid on the back of Jesus Christ. And he took the full weight of our brokenness. And he received what we deserve. That truth ought to bring flourishing for us. And it ought to cause us to extend mercy to others something that also brings us flourishing. Romans 5:17 states that we have received an abundance of grace through Jesus. In fact, Jesus stated that his grace is totally sufficient for us. That sufficiency brings flourishing. Jesus came full of grace Peter, Paul, and so many others we see in the word are tremendous examples of how grace leads to flourishing. If I had to pick one gift to start with in an attempt to restore flourishing in our lives, grace would be it. Jesus has given me everything that I need in spite of the fact that I don't deserve it. He is generous with me, compassionate towards me. He wants me to flourish. He wants me to live an abundant life. He wants to see my cup overflowing. So I need to to let the grace of Jesus Christ be the starting point of flourishing in my life. Guilt and shame are two of the most powerful opponents to flourishing that we face. But 1 Corinthians 15.3 reminds us that everything we did that the enemy uses against us to cause us guilt and shame was dealt with on the cross. At any moment, under any circumstances, we are free to stand at the foot of the cross or fall flat on our faces and claim that forgiveness that Jesus offers. You do not wear the chains of guilt and shame. You are free from the power of the penalty of sin. In a flourishing life, there is no place for guilt and shame. We no longer walk under the black cloud of guilt. We walk in the bright light of forgiveness, We no longer drag around the hefty bag of shame that we once carried. We walk freely with lightness in our steps because we are forgiven and forgiven people flourish. If you look back on all the things that we've just reminded ourselves of, there is no need for us to be held back from flourishing in our lives. A flourishing life is a life Lived according to our calling. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Hey, look, it's Ephesians again. Points us back to the fact that God has called us. We have a calling as children of Almighty God. Have you ever experienced that calling in your life? Have you even considered the fact that you have been called, that you have a calling? We've all met people whose flourishing makes us a little jealous. And so many times we can explain that flourishing that we see in someone else by pointing to the fact that they have obviously found their calling. This past week I was experiencing this concept again. I was processing this idea of calling and I was listening to some, someone talk about it and they used the phrase bringing humanity to wholeness. For some reason, I just couldn't hear anything else after that. It just stuck, and it just keeps echoing around in my mind again and again and again, bringing humanity to wholeness. Living a life surrendered to your calling is living a flourishing life. All right, let's end this list with something that looks at what what we already have, but also at what we're going to receive. Colossians 3.24 speaks of the inheritance that we'll receive for living a life for the Lord and not for anyone else, including ourselves. You and I are joint heirs with Jesus, brothers and sisters of Christ. His inheritance from the Father is also our inheritance. The riches of the kingdom of God are our inheritance and there is nothing on earth that can come even close to the worth of that inheritance. That inheritance is ours. We are rich. We are God's family, God's kingdom. And the full worth of his kingdom is ours. Living a flourishing life includes living in that reality could easily be a bit of reality that we've forgotten about. Listen, I want to live a flourishing life. And I'm willing to bet that all of you also want to live a flourishing life. So often we lack a sense of that flourishing simply because we've forgotten what we already have. We've lost our grip on our role as receivers. We want more, we ask for more, but we lose sight sometimes of what we already have. What we already have is all that we need for the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. It's life that includes the gifts of salvation, eternal life, reconciliation, adoption, Faith, wisdom, the word, power, strength, mercy, grace, forgiveness, a calling, an inheritance, and yes, I could even say so much more. So church, open the closet door, take a trip to the basement, visit the storage unit, and dust off what is already yours. Live a flourishing life. God has given us absolutely everything we need to live that life. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. Close our time in song. Will you pray with me now? Father, we come to you this morning. with hearts filled with gratitude. Gratitude because you have given us everything that we need to flourish. And so God, for my own sake and on behalf of everyone who's here, I ask that you would help us to lay hold of what is already ours. If we consider the reality of all those things that you give us, all those things that we looked at this morning, if we really look at our lives in that light, how could we ever say that we're not flourishing? Even when circumstances get rough, when things go bad, when hard things come and sorrow sinks in, even in those times, God, you've said that we can flourish because you have everything that we need. And I pray that you would just help us to see it, lay hold of it, give thanks for it, allow it to infiltrate our lives, to penetrate every corner. Bring to us that strength that we need, that wisdom that we need, the power, the freedom that comes, the, all that we need, it's there. You've provided it for us and I can't thank you enough for that. So God, walk us into each day in the reality that you have given us everything that we need to flourish thank you for your many, many, many gifts for your love and compassion and generosity towards us for your desire that we flourish, that we live abundant lives we thank you for all of that in the name of the one who made it possible In the name of Jesus Christ, your son.